Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got a good friend, Nate Muse, with me today. Thanks for being here, Nate. Yeah, glad to be here, Bailey. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, you're in Greenville, South Carolina, but give us some some context in growing up and what life was like for you growing up. Yeah, I, I grew up in the Greenville area. Um, I was born in Georgia, but grew up in Greenville. And so I consider myself a Greenvillian, um, but grew up in a, a pastor's home. So I'm a PK, grew up playing athletics, baseball, basketball, golf. Um, so church was a big part of my life. Athletics, that was a big part of my life. Um, and actually stayed in the area and attended Furman University, um, graduated from there in 2008, which is a long time ago. But um, it, it's just been uh, amazing to watch the city of Greenville grow. Um, I love the city. That's why I stay here, contrary to what Bailey tries to convince me to do to move out <laughs> where he, he's at. But um, it, it's just uh, it's a great place to live. Um, growing a family here. I've, I've got a wife and we just had our second kid, got a three-year-old and, and now a four-month-old. So um, life's good in Greenville. Yeah, Greenville, I'll, I'll say Greenville is a great place to live, getting to live there for a little bit. Tulsa is a great place to live though too. So if you ever <laughs> wanted to move better, out. You better take your own advice there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk about a little bit growing up. You're playing sports. You're always involved in the church. Your dad was a pastor. Um, did you have any particular experiences that kind of helped shape you as you moved uh, into your kind of your adolescence? Not necessarily. When, when I think back to uh, my experience growing up, I, especially in athletics and the church, I, I don't think about specific experiences. I, I think about specific relationships. Mm. That's, that's where I feel like God has blessed me in the area of, of relationships. Um, and it was not necessarily one specific coach or one specific experience that was very formational for me, but it was a combination of relationships that God allowed in my life to make me the, the person that I, that, that I am today. And that happens sometimes in the context of athletics. That's happened sometimes in the context of uh, the church. But regardless, it was I am who I am today because of the relationships I have. Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of a common pattern that we see throughout, you know, the podcast and just a lot of different people is the relationship component because we are wired to have relationships with other people. But how do you go about building really solid relationships? I know sometimes it's organic, sometimes it's uh, more intentional, but do you have any advice in, in uh, how to go about developing solid relationships? Yeah, I, I think that, like you said, sometimes uh, relationships are easier to pursue than others. Some relationships are. Um, but I, I really believe that uh, relationships are formed when there's deep connection happening. And you think about the relationships that you have. Um, some of them revolve around work. Some of them revolve around church. Some of them revolve around athletics. But in uh, some of the conversation I've been having late, lately with some of my, my friends, uh, coaches, pastors, we've been talking a lot about pursuing relationship 
and connection outside of work or outside of a general structure? How are you getting to know someone else based on where that person is in life? Not about what they can do for you or not about um, what they're working on or what goal they're trying to achieve, but how are you connecting with a person, with an individual that God has made in his image? And I think that when we pursue connection with other people, that it, it will deepen our compassion for them. Like that's what I've been seeing a lot is that when I connect with someone else uh, relationally, when I find out where they're at, what God is doing in their heart, what God is doing in their life, uh, it grows my compassion for them. So I would say that uh, just pursuing connection, uh, there's, uh, there's questions that I like to ask people when um, I'm sitting down with them. Like, what, is, what are you experiencing right now that is a high in your life? Um, what's a low that you've experienced lately? What's something you, you're learning? Uh, what's something that uh, you have felt? And what's something that I can help you with? Like if you, if you sit down with a person and you go through those five questions, uh, you're going you're gonna to achieve deep connection with that person and you're going to experience a different relational level than you had before with them uh, and you're going to grow in compassion for them. So I, I would say that you, you have to be intentional a lot of times. Um, and that, that goes in the home that goes outside of the home, uh, because we all have our hamster wheel, right? Mm -hmm. We all have our hamster wheel that we get on and we, we, we ask the typical questions. How is your day? What's going on? But when you move past that level into intimacy, I think that's when you see deep connection. And I think that's when you see love and compassion grow for others. Yeah. And I think uh, to go with what you just said, there's also a, like a genuine authenticity, like yep. being naturally curious, um, yes. And having questions not about what you can get from that other person, but more so just a genuine interest in people. Yep. And, and, and think about this, Bailey, like um, how often when we go into a relation, when we go into um, like a conversation with someone, how often are we thinking about, hey, like I need this person to do something or I have this agenda or I have this goal or thing that I'm going after, like what about putting that aside for a moment and just connecting with a person just to connect with a person mm -hmm. like that, that is, that is counterintuitive for us. And sometimes that's a little bit uncomfortable for us because that's not natural. Yeah. Um, so, so I a hundred percent agree of just connecting intimately with someone connecting with someone else, just to say, Hey, like I see, you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see where you're at. I see um, what you're going through and I want to know you more like that. That's where I think connection happens. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, I'm just thinking of this as you say all that stuff. But as we're growing up, we develop relationships through sports, through school. And sometimes it is a little bit transactional if if you're in a group that you want to get in with the cool kids or, or all these different factors, especially in school when you're growing up. But at the same time, it, it's more authentic because there's not a lot of you're not doing a lot of ton of give and take. When you get in the professional world, it's always, always about what do you do? You know, what are you doing? Um, and there's that transaction component of it. So if you can set that aside and just get to know people for who they are. It makes a big difference in terms of your relationships, how you view people, authenticity, and actually getting to kind of dive into who they are as a person and what they care about. Um, and so that is a big component in developing relationships too. It's just kind of interesting to think about, you know, as we grow throughout um, our years to see the differences and in, in how people interact with each other. Um, and so anyway, it's just, but you talked about sports, you talked about playing sports and growing up in school and the church, and you have these relationships that you developed. Yep. Um, 
you know, what sports did you play? And I, I always ask that question uh, because typically, uh, you know, sometimes always someone's playing sports or they're involved in a, uh, some type of academic thing that they're involved with people. And so those ex- there's experiences in there that um, allow people to grow with other people, allow people to grow within who they are as a person. Yeah. And so what sports did you play? I already know, but what, what tell the audience what sports you played and, and how that was impactful in your life and kind yeah. of led the trajectory of what you did and, and went into. Sure. So I grew up playing baseball. Um, I played baseball from the age of five to about 12. And honestly, I thought that's, that was going to be my sport. That's, that's when you got drafted by the Braves yeah. at 12, yes. right? Uh, yeah. And I refused the contract saying, Hey, like I, I want to go develop in college. I'm just kidding. No, that too much money. <laughs> I, I had too much money. There you go. So I um, uh, played baseball, then decided to uh, like put that in the back seat, so to speak, because I fell in love with basketball so much. And um, that really, had a huge influence in my life and especially like post-college what I, what I decided to do career-wise for just a little bit. But um, it was a, an important point in my life, choosing like basketball over baseball. Um, and uh, that led me to a, a job post-college and then um, actually kind of in a strange way to what I'm doing today, um, volunteer-wise up at Furman. Yeah. Well, so what, what did you do after college? So I was the DOPS for a year. And uh, that looked like doing everything that none of the other coaches wanted to do. It was just like an entry-level job. Um, it, it's like a glorified grad assistant where you're doing a lot of the administrative work. Um, you're doing travel. You're doing meals. You're doing film exchange. Um, a lot of the administrative duties of a college basketball program. And I did that for a year. And I was sure after I graduated from college that I wanted to go into college coaching. I wanted to be uh, an assistant. I wanted to recruit. Uh, Eventually I wanted to be a head coach. Um, But about six or seven months in, I realized pretty quickly that like the values that I had uh, based on the, the type of family person, the family man that I wanted to be, I want to have a family, have a family, I want to have a wife. Um, and I wanted to be there for my family. And I'm, I'm not saying that guys in college coaching can't be there for my family, but I knew that the way that I was wired, like I was not going to be able to be the family man that I wanted to be and be a basketball coach at the same time. And that was a really hard realization because you have these lofty goals. You have these, um, lofty dreams about where you want to go and what you want to do. And so there's part of you that is like, there's tension inside because yes, I want to do that but I know that I can't. And uh, I, I had to, I made the decision of like, I don't, I don't think I can do both. And that's fine. That's fine. I think that um, especially, I, I mean, I was 23 at the time and it's, it's good to, to have that conversation with yourself at the age of 23 instead of, you know, 33 when you're, mm-hmm. you've been in it for 10 or 11 years. Um, but uh, shortly after that, uh, I remember I finished out the year I went into my coach's office that I was working for, kind of told him where I was and uh, what I believed was the next step at the time. And uh, he was kind of surprised, um, but obviously he was he was fine with it. And uh, I stepped away from basketball um, after being in it for a year as the Dobo. as the mm-hmm. Yeah. And before that, you were involved with the firm basketball team before. Yeah, that's, that's you- what 
that's really what got me into it was I was a manager for four years um, with the team. Uh, and that in itself was, is a really cool experience. Probably another conversation for another day because all of the stories and uh, people that you meet and the places you go, like that's invaluable. Like that, that experience, especially while you're in college, you know, 18 to 22, um, like to be able to experience some of the things that I experienced, uh, I feel like I could write a book. You know, but um, and I'll always look back on those times, um, those memories really well and really fondly. Um, but it's 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 so interesting, too, to see that, like, even when you think that you're done with something, when you think that you are done in an area or a sector, um, you, you, later in life, you look back and you're like, I never was done. That's just where God was like taking me through to, to prepare me for where I'm at today. Um, and so like, it's, it's not I, the way that I like to say it is like when, um, in our journey of faith, um, when God is working in our lives, when he's taking us to different places and, and allowing us to meet different people, nothing's wasted. Nothing is wasted. Like he uses everything, every ounce of uh, opportunity that we have and every experience that we go through, he's using that to not only like change us inside and change our hearts, but to prepare us for something that he has for us down the road. And that's the biggest lesson I learned from um, my time in basketball. Um, the, the short one year that I had professionally as a, a D ops. <laughs> sure. Sure. But it's, yeah. it's kind of tail turn and, and you're, you're back in basketball a little bit yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, yeah. And so that that's been really neat because um, my conversation with my coach was, hey, uh, coach, I, I don't feel like I'm wired for this. This is what I feel like I'm wired for. And it was ministry. And so he asked me, he's like, so what are you doing? Do you have a job? Like, and I, I told him, I was like, no, I don't have a job. Like, I, this is just what I sense in my heart that um, I'm wired to do ministry. Um, and so he was, he was kind of confused, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was like, all right, Good luck. And uh, uh, shortly after, about a year in, um, I went, I got an opportunity to be a youth pastor. And um, so I'm doing the church thing. I'm leading a youth group. Uh, and then a, a, a guy gets a job, gets the job at Furman, the head coaching job at Furman, who I had a chance to work with when I was a manager. And he said, he sat down with me and he said, Hey, Nate, I want you, I want to reconnect you with the program because I know your deal. I know that you're a pastor. Um, I know how you think. And I think that these guys need someone as just a, an objective sounding board. Um, and I want you to come in and in like a chaplain role. So I started that in, um, gosh, I can't remember when Nico got to Furman, but it was several years ago. Um, Nico, succeeded he moved on and then coach Richie came in and he he's the head coach at Furman now and he actually sat me down as soon as he got the job he's like hey I know you're involved but I want you even more involved so I'm the chaplain for the Furman basketball team um, I meet with coaches I meet with players I'm there to help them out emotionally spiritually um, whatever in whatever way they need um, I feel like I've been in their shoes I've been in their seat so I know, especially like the coaches and the players. And so that's really interesting how God takes both of those elements and combines them into one experience. And so now I'm able to talk to them um, from a place that they understand. And uh, so we meet, we do Bible studies together. Um, I meet one-on-one -on -one with guys and I'm just around the program just to be there to help. And uh, so again, 
all comes full circle. Like what God was doing several years ago. Um, yes, it, it, it mattered in the moment, but now like what God is working and, and growing and developing, like he was preparing me all along for this position that he's graciously given me now as the chaplain for the basketball team. And uh, I, you know what, I could not do this job today if I had not had the experience I had. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the common theme that I see in my life is that um, God is, is when you feel, when you feel like you're wandering aimlessly, when you, when you're like, Hey, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. When you feel like wonder you're wandering aimlessly, that does not mean that God is not working purposefully. <laughs> and he's so patient and, and, you know, like he is, you're like, Hey, I want, I want that now. I, I think that I want to get there right now. And, and I'm not where I want to be God, but God's just so patient and incrementally bringing us along in the plan that he has for us. And that's why, that's why we can trust him. You know, he knows best. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, and because of that, like he's going to prepare us in the pace that we need for what he has for us. Yeah. And if you haven't seen, you're already getting a little taste of why, you know, some of these coaches have wanted you to be on the staff and just help, help the guys, the staff along. And uh, you can obviously see that and you're wired to do that. But going back on your experiences, taking a leap of faith, stepping out of basketball, trusting that, um, you know, what you were hearing was, you know, God telling you, hey, I think maybe it's time to take a step in, in this direction. You did that instead of just saying, I don't know if I should do that. I need to stick in basketball and just keep on going and not really listen to, to that uh, little still small voice. Mm -hmm. But also to the point of you getting opportunities whenever, let's just say Coach Medvek came back in, that would not have happened had you not have done a good job in the roles that you were in. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it wasn't like you just kind of like did an okay job and didn't have good relational skills with people, didn't care about other people. Because I think naturally for you, you really care about people. You want to yeah. understand what makes them tick. You want to understand how you can help them become better. And so even if you were a manager at the time, whatever time you met Nico, which I think was even your freshman year. Yep. That's and not great. only not only Nico, but you know the rest of the staff too. So, but that opportunity came back around because you did a good job, you know, however many years before. Yep. So that's a lesson in itself of just doing a good job wherever you are. Yeah, uh, and that's a common theme we see as well. It's just mm -hmm. doing a good job where you are with what you have and being uh, good to people and and, and uh, treating people the right way. So that's um, that's exactly right, and I I think that that's a great point that you're that you're making because. When I when I think back over my life, what, over my life, was I thinking about the future? Absolutely, we all do. But in moments where you are the most joyful and you are the most content, is when you're just simply doing what you know to do. Like, what am I? What am I doing with the day that God has given me, and the opportunity that God has given me, and the people that God has put in front of me? Like, what am What am I doing with all of that? today in this moment and i get questions from from people all the time about hey like i i have this decision to make i i have this i need to do because i want to get there and so i come back at them and i'm like hey what what do you have today <laughs> what are you what do you have in front of you what do you have in front of you today um that you know to do and that you can do it well and you can do it excellently um and you can do it with character and integrity do that with everything you've got. 
And you know what? The results will take care of itself. Like God, if, if you believe, if you trust that God has your best interest at heart, that God is working for your good, then you can do whatever's in front of you today. Well, just do that. Yeah, no, that's, that's such a good point. Um, because if you do just focus on today, do it with excellence, do it with integrity and character, um, the results will follow. Right. Yep. And, yep. and the point too, that I know it's a cliche and, we, and people say it all the time, but we don't know if we do have tomorrow. So if we don't truly know that we have tomorrow to, to remember that each day and focus on what's important now, like, you know, the Lou Holtz deal win what's important yeah. now. Right. Yeah. And that's, um, we just had this conversation with some of the coaches up at Furman is the question I asked them is like, at the end of the day, when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you, can you ask yourself this question and answer honestly, did I exhaust every possibility and opportunity that God has given me today? Like, am I exhausted in the best possible way? That's the way to, way to think about it. It's not in a, in a way of like, am I just worn out and, and stressed out? No, like, did I give everything that God has given me today? <laughs> did, I, did I breathe out everything that God has breathed into me today? Um, and I think that if we can ask ourselves that question at the end of every day, um, and answer that honestly, yes, like we're going to live a fulfilled life. Yeah. So what about for people that maybe are not in a profession or a job that they like, and they sit there and they hear that and they're like, well, I'm trying to do a good job, but I just don't, I don't have the energy or the passion or, um, you know, I do the best I can, but I just don't have that natural drive in me to, to, to do that on a daily basis. What, what would you advise someone in that position? I think there's a couple questions that we can think about. One, like what makes you what makes you tick as a person? I think that sometimes when I find myself worn out, which we all do, even even in the professions that we love, we are worn out. We get exhausted. We get stressed. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And and I think that sometimes when I find myself there, I'm disconnected from me. And what I mean by that is like the way that God has wired me. There, there are certain activities or things that I need to do um, that, that I haven't been doing that disconnect me from me emotionally and me spiritually. Um, so am I uh, like, I'll just give you a couple of examples. Like uh, for me, that looks like getting down, getting, setting aside some time to just play music. Like if I, if I, if I play the piano, if I play the guitar, like that does something emotionally inside of me that almost like either rewires me or re-energizes me. Um, so I would say that's, that's the first thing. Um, I'm disconnected from me, but the second thing is I, I may be disconnected from someone else. And I, I think that isolation is one of the, um, the, the biggest tools that the enemy uses against us in our life to where we, we, we take a step back and we're looking just by ourselves at our life, what's going on. And we start thinking, Hey, I'm not where I want to be. Things aren't going the way that I want to go. And all of that is happening individually because I'm not connected. Um, so like, who do you have in your life right now that can encourage you and then challenge you? Like that's, those are the people that you need to be running, running to. Like, so first I would say, connect to yourself, connect to um, the way that you're wired for some people. I know for you, Bailey, that it, it means like getting outside. It means driving, looking at the mountains, enjoying God's creation, something like that. Like connect with you, connect the way that God has wired you to enjoy his world. 
Uh, but then secondly, connect with someone else. Connect with someone else that can maybe see the picture more clearly than you can in that moment. So connect with you and connect with someone else. Yeah, because, you know, we're getting into faith, but, you know, God has uniquely gifted us with different gifts, talents, and abilities. And so understanding what those are, like having a self-evaluation, understanding what makes you tick, that's so important because if you're in a role of things, you know, there's a guy named Dave Jewett, who you've not gotten a chance to meet, but he's got an organization called Your One Degree, which is helping you focus basically out of 360 degrees in life. You have your one degree and focusing on those, those things. Yeah. And so what that does is when you understand who you are, first off, whose you are, but then who you are, um, that helps you understand yourself, right? Yep. Yep. And then when you understand the abilities that you have, the natural giftedness that you have, and you can f find a way to naturally do those things within your work, mm -hmm. or even if you don't have a job that allows you to do that, find things outside of your work that enable you to have that, like you were talking about, yep. whether it be driving through the mountains, whether it be connecting with people, I mean, whether it be reading a book, uh, yeah. listening to music. I mean, there's so many things for different people that allow them to feel fulfilled. So there's like greens, yellows, and reds. And when you're in uh, jobs that have more of yellows and reds, that would be something to think about like, okay, well, how can I get uh, what I'm doing in more of a greens uh, area and capacity? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And nobody, nobody, I mean, not many people at least figure out what they want to do in their first job or even their second job or mm -hmm. even their job after that, you know? And so like understanding, like that's, that's part of the process. Yeah. Like that is part of the process of like, Hey, like there's certain elements about this job that I like, like for me, like it was, I love the people side of it. I love the relationship side of it. I love the personal development side of it. I, I loved all of those things about basketball, but then I, I looked at the time and I was like, I can't do that. And that's, that's good. That is good. If you can make, come to that conclusion then that is, that's healthy and connecting with yourself and then connecting with someone else will help you to more clearly see it and more clearly understand that the way you, you said it exactly right. The way that I say it is if I understand my purpose, like the way that I'm wired, what God has gifted me to do and given me the ability to do, it's going to affect the place. It's going to affect the place that I want to live out that purpose um, and then guess what that informs? That informs my practice, right? So it, it, it informs the way that I learn. It informs the way that I grow and the way that I develop and uh, grow into the purpose that God has for my life. But it all starts with understanding my purpose. Like what has God gifted me to do and given me the ability to do? And sometimes that happens um, by like understanding the way that we're wired, but sometimes it happens by understanding the the, the context that we don't want to work in or that we can't work in. And that's fine. Understanding that and coming to that realization that's healthy. Yeah. It's just constant refinement. It's yep. constant refinement, right? Yep. It's a process. Like you said. Yep. So yeah, that's great. So let's go into real quick because I, I love what we're talking about. You got to work. If we're going to start talking about leadership, you got to work with a lot of great coaches on that staff at Furman that you're with and then being around Bob and his staff um, and being around Nico and his staff. So that's where I met you is when I'm ever, uh, I came on and got to work with Nico and that staff. And um, there was a lot of great coaches yeah. in, in those meetings, in those rooms, coaching the guys. Um, what have you learned? Let's just, let's go back. Because I think the first staff you're on, who was the head coach at Furman at the time? Larry Davis was the head coach and he had come from Minnesota. And I think it was the 1997 final four team that he was a, a, an assistant on. So he came to Greenville from, 
Minnesota. And so it was Larry Davis. Okay. And then you had Nico Medved, who's now the head coach at Colorado State. Correct. You had, uh, at, at one point, wasn't Mike Boynton was yep. on the staff, right? Yep. Or as, yeah, as a GA, was, right? Or graduate yeah, manager? Yeah. So he had just graduated my freshman year. He had just graduated from South Carolina. Um, and as I was getting, as I was getting to know these, uh, coaches, the staff, um, they were like, Hey, yeah, we got another guy who just graduated from, and, and, you know, growing up around South Carolina, you, you know, you're familiar with South Carolina basketball. So, you know, Mike Boynton and, uh, they're like, it's Mike Boynton. Oh my goodness. That's, (laughs) he's a, he's, he's famous in the state. And so, uh, he came in and I'm telling you, like we're, I was, I was going to mention this earlier, but the, the most people, the, the people that have impacted me the most are the ones that w- when they're the most important person in the room and they talk to you, they make you feel like the most important person in the room. Right. Mm-hmm. That's Mike Boynton. Mike Boynton w- has been like that from day one, from the first day that I know him, that, that I got to meet him. And I was telling you this on the phone a while back. I, I was listening to an interview because he's the, the head coach at Oklahoma state now I was listening to an interview with him recently and I'm telling you, he's the same person now that he was then. And that says a lot about who he is. So yeah, Mike Boynton was another guy that uh, was just the GA at the time. Um, and now he's the head coach at Oklahoma state, which is pretty wild. Yeah. And then you think about Bob Ritchie who's now the head coach at Furman. Jay McCauley is now the head coach at, at Wofford. Yeah. Um, you got to be around a lot of guys and I'm sure I mentioned some that, that you've also been around too. And there's a lot of great assistants too. Um, yeah. you know, DP is a great, great one at Wofford now. And so anyway, but what are some things you learn from each p- person? You just talked about Coach Boynton and how he was true to himself, no matter if he's a GA or head coach is what you said. But that's a, that's a great lesson itself. But what are some of the leadership lessons you've learned from Bob and, and these guys that you've been around? Yeah. So it's interesting because you have – like you have one occupation, but you have different personalities living out that occupation, right? Like each guy is going to do it differently. And that's, that's encouraging. That, I think that goes for any sector that we're in, right? That um, someone, someone is going to do the same job differently than another person. Um, but you can, you can learn how to do that job differently based on personalities and that's healthy. So um, I would say that when you think about, um, when you, when you think about the men that have succeeded in this profession. I think the common theme throughout all of them is the desire to develop others. Like that's why coaches are coaches. I think at the end of the day, um, the ones that succeed, the ones that stay true to themselves long-term are the ones that say, Hey, like I'm going to meet people where they're at and I'm not going to leave them there. Like that's, that is, I think the common theme that runs throughout all of, uh, college coaching or successful college coaching success as I define it. Um, And the way that that plays itself out is differently. Like, for example, like um, I was looking at some of the questions that you were sending, uh, sending my way, thinking about like coaches that have had great influence in my life. And I was thinking about Bob Ritchie, like I've never, I've worked with him, but I've never like played for him or worked for him. Um, But I, I was thinking about the way that Bob does life. There are very few people uh, in this world that attack what they're doing head on with everything they've got. And Bob Ritchie's one of them. And so I've learned just to like to bring a, a different level of motivation and focus everything 
uh, focus on in everything and into everything. I've learned that from Bob. Um, and that's something that, um, that I, that I lack, but when I'm around Bob, like, I feel like it is contagious. So whatever I'm doing, um, because of relationship, because of connection, when I, when I walk away from a conversation with Bob or I walk away from a com- uh, interaction with Bob, I'm like, I'm more focused automatically. Um, but then you have other people like, uh, like Jay McCauley, who is uh, focused. Yes, absolutely. Like he's determined, but he is so relational. And when you sit down with Jay, you say, oh my goodness, like, I feel really good about myself. I feel really good about life. And so you take that snippet and you're like, hey, how can I, how can I implement that in my life and the area that I'm in and, and what I'm doing in, in church and in ministry? So it, these, these guys are all succeeding, but they're doing it in different ways. And so I think that, that should encourage us, right? Wherever we are, like there's a way that we should do it. And that may be different than the guy in the, ne- in the lane next to me. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to have success because we're doing it. Um, we're not going to have success because we're doing it differently than the guy next to me. You know, like success is defined as like, hey, are you again, are you excellently pursuing the God given call on your life and purpose today with everything you've got? And if you can say yes to that, guess what? You're you're doing it with excellence. Yeah, absolutely. And as a leader, you know, you're sitting there and you're getting to watch all these different coaches uh, and whether it's in coaching or in business, once you get an opportunity to be a head coach or to be a business leader, which everyone is a leader in some capacity, you get to sit here and watch people and learn. And then in a similar context, what we talked about understanding yourself, you get to sit here and take the things that you know, you do well, or ideas and things like that, and then funnel them into your own way of leadership, right? That's unique to you. That's not trying to mimic someone else, but it's unique to yourself because people want to follow people that are authentic to themselves rather than someone that's trying to be somebody else. And so obviously being on staff with those guys and coach Medved, uh, you know, they're all unique, but they all are themselves in their own capacity. Right. That's a great way to put it. And I think that's what makes them all of them so great. They're very self-driven, self-motivated people that they know where they're going yet. They're always focused on the moment too. And so it's fun to watch and see those guys have success, but you get to see and understand why they have success and the relational component of it and the, the uh, leadership and trying to make the guys that they coach better people, trying to make the staff that they work with better men and husbands and fathers. And I think all those guys try to do that. They try to, they try to add value to the people that they're around every single day. So as a leader, if you can take one thing away, definitely take that because it's something that um, works in business, works in ministry, works in coaching, works in your family life. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those things uh, go hand in hand. So yeah, um, and I think that I think that that's the the first step for anybody that wants to lead or do things well. Like um, the first step to self actualization is self realization, right? Like of understanding, like this is who I am, and you know especially in ministry, like, I'll just be honest with you, like early on, like you would, you would watch guys online or you would listen to guys speak and you're like, I want to be that person. I want to be that person. I want to be that person. And so like (laughs) the next time you would teach, you would sound like that person. And then you're like, no, I don't really want to sound like, I want to sound like, and then the next time you teach it. And so that's, I'm not saying that's bad, but what I'm saying is like, I was neglecting me in the process, but in that process, like I was finding me, you know, and 
today, like when I sit down to teach or speak or communicate, like I'm looking at it from my perspective and you know what, that's okay. Like, I don't, I, if there's anybody that people want me to be is me, (laughs) it's not another person. Like they want me to be me and wherever God has put me, that's enough. And I need to be okay with that. So understanding first, Hey, realizing this is who I am. This is who God has made me to be. That's going to affect everything that I do after. And so like, if there's anything that you can focus on, it's identity and who I am, because that's going to lead into what you do. Yeah. And talk about, you know, identity and, and today it's very tough, especially whether you're growing up or you're in a work environment or you're an athlete, you're a coach. Um, it's really easy to not truly want to be yourself, but want to fit in or fit into what uh, the other other people might put you in, in a box as a coach, as an athlete, as a person. Um, how do you stay out of that and, and overcome maybe the idea behind trying to fit into something someone else wants you to be? Yeah, you know, every day I honestly think about the, the world that my kids are growing up in. And I think about social media presence. I think about um, the, the things that we, we view and see on TV every day. And, and there's just this image that everybody's like, Hey, you got to fit into this. And I just being honest, working with young people, man, like this is, this is, uh, this is a hard reality because I think I see more and more people getting disconnected from their reality each and every day. And so, um, I hate to use this language, but like, what is, what is the thing that centers me back to like who I am? And I think that sometimes, uh, like we have to think about the things that we're running to and the things that we're, that are causing us to think about certain things like, and that, that is like social media. Like, am I, am I, am I defined by who I am on social media? Am I defined by who others are? on social media. And if I'm not careful and limiting my time and limiting even my thoughts, like what I'm thinking, how I'm processing about what I'm seeing, um, then I might start to live like someone else or try to fit into this mold um, as someone else would present it. And that goes for even in the relationships or the workplace, right? Like you see someone, you're like, hey, they're successful. And so I want to I want to try to be like that. What does that do? That disconnects us more from who we are. And so I think it goes back to understanding uh, how we're wired, how we're created. Um, like, ha- have you taken have you taken a giftings test? Have you taken a personality test? Like all of those things help center us back to this is who I am. Um, but the more we think, like as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Like the more we think about, like this is what I want to be, or this is what I should be. Maybe I should put it that way. Maybe this is what I should be like. That's going to disconnect it from disconnect us from more from who we are. Um, so I would say like, for me, it looks like limiting my social media activity. Um, I, I think that I have a tendency sometimes to pace myself based on other people's pace. And we want people in our lives that are going to push us, but we also need to understand that God has different things for others that, than he does for us sometimes. And he moves at a different pace in our life than he does in others' lives. And so, again, I think it all comes down to that question again, Bailey. Uh, am I doing 
Am I exhausting every possibility and opportunity that God has given me today? I think that if we can come back to that question each and every day, that's going to keep us, that's going to keep us on the straight and narrow. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's so good because when you're focused on, on that, uh, each day you can sit down at night and, and understand like, Hey, this, that's all I can do. I absolutely. did all I can do. It's like when you play in athletics, if you're playing on a team or you're playing yourself or you're coaching, and your guys gave it all they had, or you you gave it all you had. At the end of the day, that's all you can do. I mean, right. there's things you're gonna look at and figure out how you can be better at, but at the same time, like you gave it all you had. That's the best you could do that day. Yep. With all the preparation that you did before, that's the best you could do. If the other team wins, if the opponent wins, that's fine because you can sleep at night saying, "Hey, I gave my best effort." Um, and so I think that's that's a really important lesson itself. Like when you lay down at night, that's uh, what you should focus on. So, well, hey, I want to talk about uh, a little bit, like I was just talking about growth as a person, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the ways, you know, when we think about growth, I think about challenge, I think about crisis, I think about, uh, you know, being in the fire, like those types of things really, how do you let those things allow you to grow or because sometimes those things allow you to grow or they kind of push you backwards. So how do you use those things? crises, challenges, opportunity as opportunities to grow. Yeah, I think that first thing about crisis and uh, trial is I say this to a lot of people that are working their way through a difficult time it, because this is what I've seen in my own life. Like we find out what's inside of us when the heat is turned up, right? Like that's what re- what is revealed on the inside of us. And so, like if we're if we're walking through something difficult and we're not walking through it in the way that we want to, then like we have to come to the table and say, what are some things that can, that can help me respond differently? Um, that will grow me, that will change me and, and use this as an opportunity for growth, not as, not to stunt my growth or um, not to just keep me where I'm at. Um, I, I think to uh, Paul's instruction to Timothy, like when Paul is talking to Timothy, who's going, who's a young pastor, he's going through a really difficult time. He talks about, he, he takes him back to his calling. He takes him back to um, the purpose that uh, Paul and others have, uh, have spoken into his life. He talks about scripture. Um, he talks about the way that he is spiritually wired. And he says, immerse yourself in those things so that your progress may be evident to all. So I think that like when we we're going through difficult times, like do we have healthy processes and do we have uh, healthy habits um, that will will grow us? And the crazy thing about it, Bailey, is like when you think about your life and you think about formation and you think about growth, very rarely do you think about the easy times, right? Like it was the times that were tough. It was the, it was the unexpected things um, where God used that. God al- allowed you to walk through that in order to make you to, to be the person that he's made you to be. And, and I, I think that change cannot happen without struggle. Like change or change can't happen without struggle. Like that's the, that's the pathway that change and growth happens is through struggle. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is like, you know, we can go through struggle and we can just go through struggle. Yeah. But (laughs) are we going through struggle and are we saying, Hey, like this is an opportunity to grow. And what am I doing to grow in that? And I would say that a lot of times we don't realize we're growing, um, but we are 
because we're immersing ourselves in healthy habits. For me, that looks like reading scripture, that looks like prayer, that looks like connecting with other people, um, that looks like remembering uh, the calling that I'm sure God has on my life. If I can immerse myself in those things, like my progress will be evident to, to everybody that views my life. Yeah. And that was actually, I was going to ask you, you know, what do you do individually that pushes yourself to grow as a person, as a man of faith, as a father and husband? And you kind of touched on it right there. It's just for you, it's like getting in the word in the mornings, kind of constantly redefining like who you are and, and what your purpose is and your calling and working towards that. Yep, is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Also too, this is something that, uh, that I've been thinking on a lot lately. And in, in Mark 10, 45, Jesus, Jesus says that the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And I think that in times in my life, when I am going through a struggle, when I'm experiencing something challenging, very rarely do I want to do something for someone else because I'm always thinking about just myself. But we have to understand that the life that we've been called into by, by Jesus is a serving life. And so guess what? That's not like a, an on switch and an off switch. Like that's like, that's who we are. That's the lot. The, if we share life with Jesus, then we serve. And in moments when I am thinking about myself, when I'm self-focused and selfish, like really what I need to be doing is looking to how can I benefit someone else? How can I help someone else? How can I make someone else better? Because I, I guarantee you this, this is, goes for anybody. When you serve someone else, like not that we do it to walk away feeling better about ourselves, but regardless of what you're going through, you feel more, you feel more happy, you feel more joyful, you feel more content because guess what? Life's not all about you. And so understanding that like in those moments, these are healthy practices of like getting in God's word, pr praying, being with others that, that encourages me. But what does that lead to? That should lead to continuing the, the same life in struggle that I do have when it's easy, right? Like if I can be that person in the middle of struggle that I am when it's easy, guess what? I have character, I have, I have integrity, and that's a steady person. Um, the way There's one pastor that describes it like this. I think that this is what excellence is and what living a life of servanthood is, is he, he describes it as long obedience in the same direction. Like the daily drip of obedience whether it's good or whether it's bad. And I think that serving is a key component to that. Like how, like even, even when you are in a challenging time, a difficult time, God is going to put people in your life to serve. And if you're so concerned about yourself, guess what? You're, you're going to neglect that opportunity. So getting in scripture, praying, connecting with others, but also like that's, that's the time where you look out and you say, Hey, I need, I need to make someone better. I need to serve someone else. I need to help someone. That's, that's the, the most important time to serve is when it's difficult. Absolutely. No, that's, that's great stuff. Um, you know, I want to honor your time and there's a few questions we want to get to too. Uh, talk about a little bit about balance. Some people, you know, believe balance is a myth. Some people think it's, it's important, but how would you describe balance? And then also how do you find balance within your, in someone's life? So, um, balance is something that I'm learning still, <laughs> but I think, uh, especially with, when you add two kids to the equation, um, but I think that balance, uh, 
it, it's, it can be equated to priority. I think that you cannot think about balance without thinking about priority. Um, because if you are like, if we think about, if we think about balance, we think about job, we think about obligation, we're like, that's usually the, the first thing on the plate, right? That's the, that's the thing that I, I'm going to have to do. So what gets neglected? Emotional, spiritual growth, like time with family, time with my spouse. Um, but if I, if I put those first things first, guess what automatically probably becomes better as a result of it? My work life. C.S. Lewis talks about it in, in terms of like this. If you pursue second things, you're going to miss out on first things. But if you pursue first things, then second things get th thrown in for free. And that is what I think the kingdom is based on. Jesus says it in Matthew 6, that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else will be added unto you. So um, balance to me looks like pursuing kingdom things. It looks like pursuing God. It looks like pursuing his kingdom. And it looks like pursuing the relationships that he's graced me with, specifically my spouse and my kids. And if I, if I align those things and prioritize those things, I think balance is going to find its way into my life almost naturally, supernaturally, in fact, you know? That's yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably one of my best, uh, one of the best responses to, to balance as a whole <laughs> and, and ideas behind it, because it's so true. You yeah. put first things first yeah. and focus on those things. The second things come in for free. I love that yeah. quote. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, you talked about focusing on God and what he's called you to do. And you talked a little bit about, there's one thing you mentioned, like spending a few minutes a day in social media, instead of letting it kind of control your life, only limiting yourself to a few, what are some other practices that you can do to keep yourself not focused on what others are doing or what the world's thinking, but focus on what you're doing and still, still be able to have that time to see what your friends are doing and whatnot, but not too much time. Like what are some ways to go about that? So I think that I find myself um, like on, on weeks that I teach, I intentionally try to stay off the of social media. Um, I don't do it. I'm teaching this week and I've done a terrible job of it this week. I, I'm just going <laughs> to be honest with you. But um, it, there's that, that healthy balance of, um, of understanding that I'm staying up to date with other people, that I'm connecting with other people, but also that's not really what determines me. Um, and I think that you just have to know yourself, like know, know your limits, know what makes you tick. And if you feel like you're at a place in social media that is, it's getting out of hand that like, for example, I've gone on social media fast as most of us probably have, have all done before. And I will just find myself mindlessly picking up my phone and going to social media apps without thinking yeah. And so like, if I'm doing this mindlessly, like then I think that the, um, the good nature of it is gone. <laughs> I think that the helpfulness of it is gone. If I'm doing, if I, if I find myself just, this is, this is the worst. And I'm just going to be completely honest this morning. Like there are times where my son is sitting there trying to talk to me and guess what I'm doing. <laughs> scrolling through social media, if I find myself neglecting the personal relationships that God has put in my life for social relationships or social media, it's, it's lost its benefit. 
it's lost its purpose. It's lost its benefit. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but for me, for me, it's a, um, it's almost like a limit. Like I, I know, I know when I've gone beyond the threshold, I know. And I think that being aware of that is important when it comes to like what our, our social media intake is. And so I, I think that uh, sometimes I do have to just stop and say for this week, I'm not doing it for this week. I'm not getting on social media. Um, and that's, that's good. Like disconnecting from reality keeps us more in tune with our reality. If you think about it. Um, and it, it gives us more foot because guess what? Like in the times that we are uh, allowing social media to drive what we think about instead, we're having to find other things that drive what we think about. And, and we can, you know, we can replace social media with something that may not be healthy, or we can replace social media with something that is good. It's God's word. It's like, it, it, how about this? Like every time, if I pick up my phone, like what, what would my life look like if I just instead put that down and just spent the time in prayer, communicating with God, connecting with God. I, I think that uh, social media um, sometimes is just a, a bad replacement for good thinking. You know, when we don't want to, we don't want to think, we don't want to um, even meditate or uh, focus on what God is doing in our hearts or who we are. And because of we, we pick up our phone, we allow that to drive who we are and what we're thinking about. And then like, you've been on the social media rabbit hole, like you've gone, we've all gone down that social media rabbit hole. We're like, how did I get here? But what did we neglect uh, personally to go there? Like, and I think that like, that's why, like when I find social media driving my thoughts and me mindlessly getting on social media, that's when I know that it's time, it's time to hang it up a little bit. That's a great point on social media. And also to the influences that affect you, whether we subconsciously know it or, or, uh, don't know it, like the, the things we watch on TV, the relationships we have with our friends, like who are we hanging out with? Yep. All these things filter into, uh, what we think in our mind whether yep. we think it or not, they affect us. And so finding positive influences that affect you in a positive way rather than negative. And if the, there are things that are influencing you in a negative way, kind of talking about challenge and opportunity last time, uh, basically using those things and saying, you know what, I'm going to try to, to uh, make the most of this situation and use it for the better rather than for the worse. And so yeah. uh, maybe, yeah. maybe that's making a change. Maybe it's uh, just making a change in your mind. Um, all those things, just being conscious of that, because it's not, uh, not that it's all bad, nope. but, um, it's just the, the usage of it. Mm-hmm. And like you yeah. talked about mindlessly just going to it, you know, and, and being with your family or being with your friends or being in prayer. I mean, that's one of the best responses too, right there. Just using that time for something better, maybe. Right. Yeah. Paul says in, in Romans, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so like transformation happens with our minds, right? Specifically interacting with, with God's word. And, but we think about the, the other side of that being conformed to something like if what, what I'm allowing to drive my thoughts or to, um, to direct my thoughts is what's conforming me. It's what's changing me. And so if social media is my, my be all end all, like that's what's conforming me and I'm neglecting true transformation and growth as a result of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, real quick, you know, what, 
you now have got two kids, you know, so now you've been a father for a little while. What does it mean to be a father and husband and how do you go about that in, in the way that you want to? I think that, I think this is a typical response, but I, I say this to Kristen all the time that being a dad is the toughest thing that I've ever done, but it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. And because of that, um, and the reason why is because um, I have to empty out myself every day. I, 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 I thought that I was a selfless person and then I had kids. And then I realized very quickly how selfish I am, even with my little things like my time, um, like my space. Um, guess what? With kids, you have no time and you have no space and you, 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 um, you rut up against that, uh, that idea of like, this is me, this is my time. I have like, um, my time here where I can go here and do that and think about this, these things, but then kids come along. They're like, they invade every space of your life. Um, and very quickly you can either grow and adapt and transform and change and say like, Hey, I'm here to serve them. Or you can continue to dig your heels in and say, no, this is me. And if you do that, you're just going to grow more frustrated and more angry. Um, and you're going to neglect a fulfilling relationship that, and a gift, like scripture says that God, that kids are gifts from God. And um, so I, I find myself <laughs> when I think that I'm like, okay, I'm a selfless person. Now God takes it a step further. And um, I would say that like, he has just been dealing with, um, my, my selfishness, um, in the best way possible, but he's not leaving me there. Like he's not, he's not just leaving me there. What he's doing is he's, tra I think he's transforming it into selflessness and servanthood. So I would say that it's the toughest thing that I've ever done, but it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever done as well. Um, because he's making me a selfless person through it. That's the way I would say it. Yeah. What, what about in regards to your marriage? Like, how do you have a, what are your, your advice to having a strong marriage? Yeah. While would, also having kids. Yeah. So, yeah. That's another element to it. I would say that one cannot replace the other. That's the best way that I would put it. One cannot replace the other. Like um, if God has given you kids, I believe that he's given you the grace to raise those kids. But guess what? God has also given you a spouse. And together we see this in scripture that it's man and woman that most perfectly by God's grace, reflect God's image in the world. And so that should be first and foremost. And so the way that you um, are attached to one another, the way that you're growing with one another, um, the way that you are loving one another, that should be first and foremost. And guess what? That's going to bleed into how you raise your kids and how you love your kids as well. So like you, that's, that, is, that is key. One cannot replace the other. Um, but God, because God has given you both, guess what? He's going to give you the grace to do both. Um, so this, this just means that like, you don't have time for other things that you used to have time to do. Like, I don't, I don't have as much time to go play golf as much as, as I used to <laughs> I don't have time to just go and have, you know, random meetings, um, and just stay out all day because guess what? Like, Kristen's at home with the kids and I want to be aware of that that you know what she is she's doing her best to hold the fort down but God has put me in her life to help her out with that so um it is a it's a juggling act but 
it's not doing it in your own power. It's doing it by the grace that God gives you. And the more you, the, the, the more you come to those places where you're like, God, I don't think I have any more to give. Guess what? That's the place where he wants you to come to, because in those mm. moments you understand his grace is sufficient and he's going to give you the grace and what you need for that moment that he's, uh, that he's put you in. So I would say, do not replace one with the other, like make sure that you are like when, when our, uh, kids get down at seven o'clock, like, this is like, this is our time. This is our time that we're going to, and it could be like watching a show together. It could be talking. It could be catching up on how the week is going. Like whatever time God gives you take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't allow one relationship to replace the other because God has given you a spouse and that's the way that he's going to reflect his image perfectly by his grace in your home and in your world. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're going to wind down here um, and do a little fire round. So I'll read off a word and you can answer it however you want to answer it. So discipline. Discipline is uncomfortable. (laughs) Favorite Greenville restaurant. Okay. This is fresh off. This is fresh off the press. Home team, home team barbecue. Now, uh, home team barbecue I think has the best cheeseburger in Greenville. But let me tell you, the barbecue at home team is nowhere near the barbecue that I had in Tulsa. Okay. (laughs) Still the best best to this day. Whenever I talk about Midwestern barbecue or barbecue in general to anybody, I always bring up the barbecue I had in Tulsa. So it's, I mean, it's good for South Carolina standards. I'll say that. Yeah. Perfect. Integrity. Um is a journey integrity is a journey it doesn't happen overnight it happens through good times it happens through bad times it happens through tough times it happens through unexpected times but don't expect there don't expect to get there overnight um i would say in, enjoy where god has placed you today and what he's doing in you today favorite basketball experience um my junior year we beat vanderbilt on the road and that that team, the Vanderbilt team that we beat, actually went on to uh, to go to the Sweet 16. Um, so it was a really good team. And we went on to lose to Davidson, who had Steph Curry in the semifinals of the SoCon championship. So we didn't get as far as Vandy, Vandy got. But in the moment, um, this was the, the typical Furman experience. I'll never forget it. We beat Vanderbilt. At night, it's central time. We're get we're driving out of there about 10 or 11 Eastern time, probably. And we we drive all the way through the night. We drive up to Timmins at 7:30. And I get out, unpack, and head to my eight o'clock class. Like that, if that's not a firm experience, I don't know what is. Like meeting yeah. Vanderbilt the night before, and then you're at, at 8 a.m. class the next day because you, you gotta you gotta get in the books. Like that's that's so firm. Yeah. Well, this isn't on here, but did and you just brought up Steph Curry playing for Davidson. Did you ever believe that he would be doing what he's doing now after watching him at Davidson? I'm just, I'm going to be honest. I did. I. So when, when I saw him for the first time, I just was like, number one, like this guy is way more special than everybody knows. Um, now the first game I ever saw him play, he came out of the locker room and I'd heard so much about him. I'd seen him a little bit on film, but he came out of the locker room and I mean, he looked like he was 150 pounds soaking wet. And I was like, that's the guy, 
like that's the one and then you know like uh, a 30 ball later like I was like okay he's the one like, he's the one he's the guy um but as as you watched him develop and grow the, the thing I was always most impressed about like I would do like when we were playing Davidson is I would just watch him the whole time the way that he would move off the ball like his feel his instincts like the natural basketball instincts that that guy had the way that he had learned to get his shot off I mean like his father Dell was an NBA guy so he grew up around the game you just felt like he had all the tools um but like you know mvp status like at like top tier of the league like i'm not sure i'm not sure if i saw that i just knew that he was going i, I knew he was going to be in the league because i've been around the socon for several years and i was like there's no one that's even come close to how good this guy is um so that was a, that was a really neat experience being able to to experience steph curry um, at Davidson College and to see him grow and develop into the player he is today that's yeah that's probably I would I would say that as one b actually of like okay meeting Vanderbilt and then like seeing Steph Curry like live. playing against him yeah playing against him or you'd be on the staff yeah for sure that's a good one b I just had to add that in there too because I know that would be an interesting question but <laughs> okay back to the fire on it all comes down to desires it all comes down to desires. I think that at the end of the day, we all do what we desire the most. Like that, like you ask someone, hey, why did you do that? What's their answer? Because I wanted to. Mm, like yeah. we, all, we all do what we desire the most. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of times when we think about, this goes back to our growth conversation, our change conversation. We think about just changing our actions when there's really something else deeper intact that we need to look at. And that is our heart. That is what our, our affections are tied to. Um, just that something simple as something as simple as anger. Think about when you get angry about something, why did you get angry about that? It's because you didn't get what you wanted. And so like, if, if we think about like just dealing with our anger, let's think about this. Like, do I have the right expectations for my life? Do I have, do, am I, am I thinking about like, do I have the right goals in mind? And if I don't, if I find myself getting angry because someone's getting in the way of that, and I'm getting angry at them because I'm not getting what I want, then maybe I need to reorient my desires and maybe I need to reorient my goals. And so I would say it all comes down to desires because everybody does what they desire the most. Absolutely. Do you have a certain piece of advice, best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, best piece of advice that I've ever received. That's a really good question. I saw this on the, I, I passed over this, but I didn't think a lot about it. So this <laughs> is like, this is like a real processing moment for me. Best piece of advice. Um, seek first seek first above all else like that's what i find myself like reorienting reorienting myself back to constantly is like when i'm when i'm frustrated when i'm angry it's because i'm not seeking first the right things i'm not seeking first the things of god and so like those are two simple words um that i always come back to and that's just seek first in other words seek first things like we we're talking about or seek the right things um that's that's what i would boil everything down to in my life of like that's what i 
always come back to is seek first. Am I seeking the right things? That's great. Uh, this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? It's the daily drip of obedience. It is long obedience in the same direction. Am I doing today um, what God has called me to do, what God has put in front of me, and am I, am I doing it well? And, you know, like, well is a subjective term, right? But I think at the end of the day, we all know, we all know whether or not we went after everything that we had with everything that we had. You know, like everything, every opportunity that we had before us that day, we know in our heart of hearts, like that we did or we didn't. And so it sounds subjective, but guess what? Like we, we all know whether or not we exhausted the possibilities and the opportunities that God gave us that day. Yeah, uh, that's so good, Nate. Um, also, you know, as I was sitting here, I was thinking about the fire round and I was going to ask you what your favorite chair was as I saw you swivel. <laughs> and so... Oh yeah, we if you can't watch the video, we got a nice cowskin chair in the back there, which is I love it. I love it. It keeps me connected with my my Tulsa fam. There you go. Yes, <laughs> that's perfect. I need to. I need to. We need to somehow get you a, a Tulsa chair out there for you. But uh, anyway, thanks so much for being on the show, Nate. You're just a guy that you're making an impact wherever you've been. You made an extreme impact on my life, and obviously, people that get to watch this and listen to it. Uh, they're going to see why <laughs> that you, you've done that. And not only to my life, but many, many people as a pastor, as a husband, now as a father, and as a, as a coach, and, and now helping uh, athletes and coaches. So uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for doing what you do. And you're absolutely living in the element that God intends for you to live, in my opinion. So uh, it's just it's just a blast having you on the show. I wish we could do longer, but uh, maybe we'll have you on some other time. So let's let's do let's do it again and let's do like just the whole time just a fire round right just fire like, yeah just ask me questions over and over. No, i'm just kidding this yeah. has been this has been really good for me this has been really good to process i your questions are fantastic and i hope that this podcast um not just this one particular one but this podcast in general um motivates people um e equips people to live the life that God has called him to. I know it will. I know it will. I, I've always been inspired by um, just how, how, how hard you go after life. And I think that this is an example of it. So I'm proud of you, brother, and love you, love you and Chan, and uh, I'm excited to see what comes from this podcast. Thanks, Nate. Love you as well. I appreciate that. Uh, if someone wants to kind of follow you, reach out, uh, you know, how, what's the best way to get in touch with you or in social media or what's the best way to get in touch? Instagram and Twitter. And it's just at Nate Muse. Pretty simple. Okay. But he might be on, he might be on uh, Instagram and, and social media leave for a little bit too. So just, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> so if I don't get back to you, Hey, listen, that's I'm, why I'm yeah. social media fast. <laughs> you heard it straight from the podcast. So, all right, Nate, thanks so much for being on the show. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. 
once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.